Welcome to Teaming Up with the Hodges Partnership. In this episode, we have account strategist Amanda Colocho sitting down with the mind behind iHeart Vegetables, Liz Thompson. They'll discuss all things influencer relations, from paid and unpaid partnerships to strategies for successful programs, metrics and reporting, and the risks and opportunities to consider. Follow Teaming Up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sit back and enjoy. Today, we'll be talking about influencer marketing and are joined by special guest Liz Thompson. Liz is a full-time content creator who has been running the blog iHeartVegetables since 2010. Today, Liz will share her expertise about influencer marketing, food photography, and why everyone needs an air fryer. Welcome, Liz. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here today. I love working with influencers for clients and being in that space. Um, and I know you you had mentioned you could talk about it all day, and it's a passion for you. So we're very excited to learn from you today and um, yeah, just hear about your experiences. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Yes. So for this episode, we'll be diving into how influencer partnerships work, ways brands and influencers can partner together, metrics for measuring success, and best practices for content collaborations. So let's just go ahead and dive in and get started. Um, Liz, what are some ways brands can work with influencers? Um, And maybe share some examples of your experiences or ways you've been able to partner with them. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of times when people think about sponsored content, they immediately think about an Instagram post. And that can definitely be part of it. But I think there's actually so much more potential for ways that brands can leverage content creators and influencers. I think that um, thinking about long form content or long term content um, can be really valuable. I like to think of it as like searchable content. So things that could be discovered years down the road on YouTube or Pinterest or a blog post that can be found on Google so that it's something that lives a little bit longer than just kind of like a one and done Instagram post. Um, I think if a brand is, is going through the effort of finding an influencer to partner with and talking about, you know, their goals and the content and all of that, I think that there's so much more mileage they can get out of that relationship if they're thinking kind of beyond just Instagram. Yeah. Well, I feel like when I see an influencer working with a brand, it almost validates that organic, authentic partnership. Uh, when I see it's something that they're using constantly or in several posts, or like you said, over time versus a one-off paid sponsored ad, that's a little bit less, I guess, trustworthy to me. So I think, yeah, the longevity in those partnerships and relationships is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that different platforms can lend themselves to different types of content. Like someone might not necessarily be in a shopping mindset when they're scrolling Instagram versus if they're browsing on Pinterest and they're looking for home organization ideas, they might be more interested in actually finding that that thing that they want to purchase. So I think too, just thinking about the different behaviors on the platforms and how the content could look a little bit different depending on what platform it's on. Yeah, definitely. Um, are there any examples or brands you're working with now that you really enjoy and ones you you could talk about on how you uh, work with them either on a long-term scale or, or some short terms? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've gotten to partner with a, a lot of different brands over the years, mm-hmm. which has been fun. Um, one of the brands that I really loved working with last year was Success Race. We did um, a whole bunch of different uh, content kind of based on some of their different products and things like that. And that was a great example of a collaboration where we were 
were really able to bring it to life based on the platform. Like some of that was long form content. Some of it was stuff that lives on Pinterest. We did some uh, Instagram reels and TikTok videos. And it was just a, a really um, a great collaboration where I had a lot of creative freedom, but I was also able to make sure that I was including, you know, the the types of information that they wanted to get across to consumers. I mean, in addition to to just sponsored content and creating that content, are there other ways you've been able to work with brands? I know for at Hodges, sometimes we will do influencer influencer events or create sort of those in person boots on the ground opportunities. I think yeah, it's important to have creative freedom. But then I think when you're working with a brand, sometimes there are brand guidelines or certain images or product shots or aesthetics that need to be considered. So how does that work with? you know, sort of that balance? Yeah, that's a great question. I do think there's a lot of, there's so many different ways that brands could partner with an influencer. And I think events are a good example of something where a brand probably has a very specific idea of what they need out Mm -hmm. of that event, whether that's, you know, the opening of a new restaurant or something like that. Um, I partnered with Whole Foods when they opened recently to kind of talk about, you know, where the store is and what things they offer in the store and all of that. Um, And so certainly there are times where it's like, hey, we need to make sure that this message goes out and it needs to go out at a certain time to a certain audience and things like that. So I think there's definitely opportunities for that. I think there's also um, times where it might make sense for me to shoot different content that's going to live on my platforms versus content that might live on a website. So for example, a brand might say, hey, we want really... um, product focused images where, you know, if it's like a CPG product, like you're showing the packaging and everything. And that might be content that they use to run Facebook ads or something like that. Whereas the content that's going to show up on my blog or on my Instagram might be a little bit more lifestyle and, you know, a little bit less product focused so that it doesn't feel like an ad when someone's scrolling through. So I think there's also flexibility depending on um, what platform and whose channels it's on and things like that. And then as far as those platforms, uh, we've talked about blogs, we've talked about Instagram. Are there other channels uh, that you've worked in before or that where you can sort of have... um an integrated approach with the content collaborations? Yeah, definitely. I think we're seeing more and more brands wanting to work on TikTok, which I think is exciting. Um, That's definitely been a fun platform. And there's also just interesting things with like YouTube shorts that kind of has that same TikTok feel. Um, And again, is something that could be discovered and searched down the road. So it's been seeing that, fun seeing that. Um, Pinterest, is changing what it's doing. It seems like every week, but there's opportunities there for video content and things like that. I think we're also seeing more of a trend around live streaming and more video content in that arena, which I think could be really exciting for events and kind of like specific time activation. So I think there's definitely going to be a lot of new potential there too. Yeah, I'm seeing, I think video is so, so important with all of those digital efforts. And it's almost become more of an entertainment platform. Like when we're creating content, it's less about uh, necessarily like the messaging or the advertising that you're doing or or buy this. It's really about that storytelling with like the brand partnerships. Totally. And I think that's what makes it so fun. Yeah, absolutely. So there's so many different ways you can partner or brands can partner with influencers, lots of different platforms, uh, forms of content to be created. Um, 
Tell me a little bit about the process of even getting started uh, with working with a brand. Yeah. So usually we start with a creative brief, although I'll say I've partnered with brands that have very lengthy creative briefs. And sometimes there's just a few bullet points we're going off of. So it can kind of run the gamut. But I think that um, having some kind of uh, brainstorming session or collaboration session where we can really talk about what are the goals that the brand has? What are the messaging points they want to get across? What are some of the priorities? of talking points, I think things like that can be really helpful, especially in the early phase. I love when a brand is like, hey, here's what we're trying to do. How could we use you to do that? Because I think it just makes it a little bit easier for me to think through like, okay, if your goal is to get someone to go to Kroger and purchase cheese, the content I create might be different versus if you are just trying to spread awareness about um, a new brand that's coming out or something like that. So it can kind of just help the more specific we can get around what the goals are to then think through, hey, does this make the most sense as an Instagram post? Should it be a blog post? Is there a way we can kind of add a video component to that? Does it make sense for this to have a recipe or is it more of an educational post? So having those conversations with the brand is so valuable. And I think that leads to the best types of partnerships. Well, and I think it leads to, again, that that word we're using is collaboration versus a transactional we're paying you to create this post or to post, you know, this messaging. So I think, yeah, that that's great. And that's really important to have that collaboration from the very beginning. Totally. Well, I mean, what other advice do you have for ensuring success with brand partnerships? I know we typically will put together a contract just to make sure that expectations are aligned. Uh, the decided on metrics we'll report on um, are in line with, you know, with both parties. So um, could you talk a little bit about sort of that that logistical process and just helping to ensure success? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it helps in terms of like how we're partnering to have a little bit of flexibility in the language and the talking points and things like that. I find it really helpful to have like, hey, here's the hierarchy of things that we're trying to communicate. Um, but having the flexibility for it to be in my voice in a way that I know is going to resonate with my followers and my readers. I think that um, the the more flexibility there is, the more it feels genuine and authentic and just comes across as a story rather than like reading off a script for an ad. And I think there's definitely opportunities for things like storyboarding, where like if we're going to be shooting video content, like let's make sure that we're aligned on how we want this to go, how we want the product to show up, um, how long we want it to be, all those things. So I think there's an opportunity, again, coming back to collaboration to really make sure that we're nailing those points, but also just having flexibility in maybe what that content could look like to make sure that it's something that's going to resonate with my followers. Um, I also really appreciate when a brand is kind of flexible in what the content could look like. So um, for example, when I was working with Success Race last year, we had kind of mapped out like, hey, we're going to do, you know, a blog post here and a static post here and an Instagram reel here. And one of the recipes I was working on, I was like, this would be so good as an Instagram reel. Like, I know we said we were going to do a static post here, but I think we should add in video. Here's what I think it could look like. And they're like, yeah, cool. That sounds good. Let's do it. And that was like the best performing social post of the campaign. So I think finding those opportunities where it's like, hey, I I see this stuff all the time. I'm like in it. If the brand has the trust of like, hey, I'm going to be able to make those really solid recommendations. I think we can end up with a really exciting um, campaign in the end. That's awesome. And then, yeah, I think, I mean, sometimes we'll go into it from clients wanting to have an in-feed post or have sort of that idea of what they might want, but having that open-mindedness going into it is really important. You are the expert living in it day to day. So yeah. 
And I think it's always nice, you know, there's the opportunity. They might say, hey, we need photo assets so that we can use that on the website. There's always the opportunity to add that in as like a shoot, but it doesn't necessarily have to live on the feed. So I think there's there's flexibility in all these things. And I think just having those discussions can can be really helpful to make sure that we're ending up with a result that the brand is happy with, Mm -hmm. that I know is going to perform well. And that at the end of the day, my readers and followers are going to be really excited about. Awesome. Awesome. Um, What other tips or best practices or or things should, you know, we consider before entering sort of those influencer brand collaborations? I think um, remembering the value of storytelling that comes with a with an influencer or a content creator is really powerful. Um, if you were, let's say, a gluten free pasta brand and you're like, hey, we want to communicate that this pasta tastes good and is affordable, that's easy to do. Maybe it makes sense to tell it as the story of like, hey, this gluten free pasta allows my family to eat the same meal and I don't have to make two different things and we all get to, you know, enjoy dinner together and it tastes great and it's on sale at the grocery store. But rather than just saying, hey, this pasta tastes good and it's cheap, how can you kind of weave in a really authentic story? I think it's more memorable. I think people are more likely to engage with it. And I think you just end up with a a very unique campaign versus what you might get from just traditional advertising. Awesome. Thanks. Um, Are there any influencer brand partnerships or influencers you follow that are our favorites or any examples that come to mind? Oh, I love that question. Um, I have had the pleasure of getting to know so many local bloggers and influencers. And I think it's so fun to just see how everyone's style has a different, um, a different twist and a different perspective. I think Megan Wilson from Sweet Sauce just does such an amazing job of like authenticity and championing, championing local brands. And, um, I just love seeing the way that she can make something like that come to life. And I think she's a great example of someone who like is really involved in the community and it comes out in her content. I love Megan. We work with her for a couple of different clients. Oh, I love um, that. So we get to do collabs all the time. And she always produces the most fun content. And she does a really good job of, again, versioning for different uh, sections of the platform for like Instagram. So she'll always do in feeds and reels and stories. And she's just she's so engaging. Um, I love it. I love that. I love how we're so connected. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know if I could think of an example. I've been on a big, well, I'm a big Vanderpump Rules follower and Bravo <laughs> fan, um, but I feel like um, there's a whole scandal and I have just been following along with Ariana, who is just doing so many different brand partnerships and brand collaborations <laughs> and really uh, putting her best foot forward after, you know, things that had happened to her. But it's just been really interesting to see how some of these brand partnerships there's so many ways to approach it. So there's finding uh, influencers who align with a brand's values, right? And there's that long-term partnership. But then there's always these opportunities for in the moment, quick, uh, taking advantage of like timely opportunities too. I think it's so fun to to look at a campaign and, you know, you can follow the hashtag or something like that to see the ways that different influencers can bring something to life. And I think it's the perfect representation that like you get something different depending on what creator you work with and you get to see a different perspective and a different spin on it, even though it's all kind of wrapped up in the same campaign. Yes. Yes. Any other tips or anything else to consider or just always make sure we keep in mind? 
Um, I think in terms of contracts, just kind of getting into some of the nitty gritty, one of the things that I see a lot is brands wanting exclusivity. And I think that's just an interesting thing to unpack because I really think that it depends on the product or the service. And I know that a lot of times it's a blanket contract that's sort of used for everything. But I think really taking a step back to look at what would make sense in this situation, because as a content creator, it can be really limiting if a brand says, hey, you can't work with any other grocery store for three months, like that might be kind of tricky. And I don't think it's unusual for someone to shop at more than one grocery store in the span of even just a week. Whereas if you are let's say a shampoo brand and you're working with a beauty influencer, it might be a little bit strange to see someone using a different shampoo one week and then another one the next week. And it's like, well, how often do you really change your shampoo brand? So I think just thinking about what really makes sense based on the product and the service and kind of narrowing that window of exclusivity to what you really need, you can typically kind of get better value from the influencer if you're leaving those doors open. So I think that that um, that's definitely something to consider. Yeah, definitely. Um, So we've talked a lot about just what kind of partnerships can be done, uh, tips for getting started, things to consider and keep in mind. But at the end of the day, uh, we all go back to how do we measure success? Um, So I know we think about Instagram, we think about likes and impressions, and there's some of those basic metrics that, you know, we all think about. Um, But talk to us a little bit about the metrics your clients uh, like to to measure for success or some of some of those beyond just likes. Yeah. So we try to measure we try to measure basically everything because Mm -hmm. I think the more information you have, the better it is for the brand. And luckily these days you can track a lot of things. So thinking beyond just kind of the followers and likes, I think things like saves and shares, I think those are really interesting to look at because if I'm creating a recipe and someone's saving it, it probably means they're saving it to try to come back, you know, and find it later to make it. Or if they're sharing it, hopefully that means not only did they like it, but they think their friend would like it. So I think those right off the bat are just like, really great metrics to look at. But I think also things like um, if someone's coming to the website, like time on site, where do they go after that? What are they clicking on? And luckily we can, we can track most of that stuff. And so I think really digging into as many metrics as possible. Sometimes you don't necessarily know where you're going to find those really insightful nuggets, uh, but making sure that you're setting up tracking for links and things like that really um, can help you kind of tease out the results in the end. Yeah. Awesome. That's really helpful to hear. So tell us about affiliate strategies, kind of what does that mean compared to the traditional content collaborations we were talking about? And maybe what are some best practices for for that? Yeah, so I think affiliate strategies can be really effective with content creators. That can be an easier way to sort of track success and especially sales. Um, But I I think it's important not to look at it as a one size fits all thing. I think affiliate strategies can be really beneficial for certain products, but I think they don't necessarily work for every product. Uh, We had a conversation with a brand last year that's a, a packaged goods that wanted to do some affiliate sales. And I had to be honest, I said, I don't think this is the kind of product that someone would order online. I think it's the kind of thing that they would probably pick up at their grocery store. And so for me, I don't want that to be the metric metric of success because I don't think that people would order this type of product online. I think it's, you know, you go to a store and buy it. And so I think it is important to think about is your product really something someone is going to order online in that moment? Or is it something that they might remember? And then the next time they're out of that type of hot sauce, they might purchase it. Or the next time they're out of olive oil, maybe they purchase it. They may not necessarily be purchasing it online. So I think that's important to think about. 
And then I think it's also really helpful if the brand can give the influencer something to talk about. So rather than just like, here's a 10% off coupon for my followers, is there something unique that could come with it? I think some brands that do a really good job of this are Wild Grain and Butcher Box. They're kind of like the food delivery companies, like Wild Grain delivers sourdough bread. And I think it's like, if you order your first box, you get free croissants for life or something like that. And that type of thing is really easy as a content creator to talk about because that's a fun and unique mm-hmm. thing. Someone's going to remember it. They're going to you know remember the code and, and hopefully use it. So I think having something like that that's maybe a little bit different different versus just like a 10% off code is something that that can help a lot. I think there's also ways that brands can use the content in different ways to sort of maximize the value. So if you're having an influencer create photos and video for their own platforms, how could you use that either whitelisting, like promoting the content through the influencers handle or using the content on your own brand handle or newsletters or websites? I think just kind of brainstorming what are some ways that you might want to use the content and build that into the contract. That way the brand can get more mileage out of the content that's being made. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And again, speak going back to just having those more long-term partnerships and the longevity and, and brand collaborations might so important. So there, there obviously is a personality and a person behind the brand when brands are working with an influencer. Um, and I think there have been some examples in the news and media with Bud Light and some other brands where we've seen examples where maybe the, the opportunity went awry. Um, what are the risks when working with for brands when working with influencers or or what are maybe some ways to navigate if maybe that particular personality does or says something that might not be in agreement with the norm or be socially, you know, appropriate, um, what would you say? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think one way to sort of guard against that is to work with influencers that are really, uh, niched in a specific area. For me, I, I pretty much only talk about food and maybe a little bit about my family. But for me, I don't view my platform as somewhere where I am going to share any controversial views or any super personal details. So I think if you are a brand that might be concerned about some reputational risk, I think it's important to dig into the influencers channels, not just on Instagram, check Mm -hmm. all the platforms, see what they're saying on Twitter. But I think if you find someone that is really niched into a specific area, it's probably unlikely that they're going to be going off the rails mm-hmm. on, a, on a different platform. But I, I do think that is a risk. I mean, it, you are working with humans and humans that have a voice and a platform. But I think doing your due diligence to check the platforms and then also just working with someone that is in a specific niche, I think that's probably the best way to minimize that risk. Awesome. So with brand partnerships and collaborations, you know, we often see sponsored and we know that there is a fee that is associated with it. And for you, I mean, for many influencers, this is how you all make a living. So I know that there is that value to what you're providing as well. But uh, what happens when you're approached by someone that maybe doesn't have the fee to match, you know, what the ask is or how do you work with brands in that capacity? Yeah, totally. So this is a question I get a lot is like, what do I do if I want to work with influencers, but I don't have a budget? And I think there's a couple things to sort of unpack. So if you are a big brand that is spending marketing dollars in a lot of other channels, 
the answer is probably going to be no. It's not that you don't have a budget. It's just that you haven't set aside budget for content marketing. But if you are a small brand or a local brand, or you're just kind of getting off the ground, I think there's totally ways that you can partner with influencers in an organic way. Let's say you are a granola brand and you're just selling at the farmer's market and you don't have a marketing budget right now. Are there ways that you could partner with an influencer in a way that is kind of beneficial for both people? Maybe you invite them to be on like a tasting panel and they get to help you develop a new flavor or maybe you you know, partner in an organic way. And if the influencer creates a parfait recipe using your granola, you could share that in your newsletter to your readers and followers or something like that. So I think there definitely are ways that you can do organic collaborations, but I think it really does depend on the brand and sort of the authenticity of, hey, how is this partnership really going to benefit both people? And what could that look like long term? And maybe it's even like, hey, we're a small, you know, granola company and we're just getting off the ground. But like, We want to partner in an organic way now, and hopefully we'll be able to partner in a paid way down the road, too. I think that's it doesn't hurt to ask. Awesome. No, that's so helpful to hear and to know that it it's a scalable opportunity for any brand, uh, regardless of their size and budget uh, capabilities. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was so insightful and a lot of great insight from you and a lot of helpful tips for brands, whether they're entering into a collaboration with an influencer for the first time, or maybe it's there's some tips that could be applied to maybe revamping or enhancing current contracts that are happening and collaborations. But um, this is really helpful. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Teaming Up podcast. Teaming Up is brought to you by the Hodges Partnership, a strategic communications agency that specializes in storytelling through public relations, media relations, content marketing, and social media. The Teaming Up podcast is a happy committee production. Episodes are released monthly. Subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you never miss an episode.